0: Entry level is on a mission to reskill 1 billion people by 2030. This is an audio series to give you the day in a life and insider insights into the most in-demand jobs. Hey everyone, welcome to this audio class. Today we're going to be diving into the wonderful world of product management with Tina, who is from Product Rocket. Do you want to say a quick hi to everyone that's listening and perhaps, you know, other places you've worked at and a bit about your background?
1: Hi everyone. I'm Tina. I'm currently a product management consultant at Product Rocket. I have a background in product management in health tech, bit of fintech, um, a lot of marketplaces products. Um, I started off as a um, as an associate product consultant um, under my mentor Benjamin Wertz. Um, I worked. I've worked at CancerAid. Um, a health tech startup. I've worked at OneFlare, a services marketplace startup. And recently I worked for a few years at a health tech company um, called Health Engine.
0: Awesome. And uh, I guess to start off with, like, can you tell us a little bit more about what a product manager is? I guess like what is, if someone at a party came up to you and said, what is it that you do? Like what's your sixty-second sort of pitch as to what a product manager is?
1: Okay. So the 10 second, uh, elevator pitch would be, we solve problems that add value to the customer while being beneficial for the company to grow. Um, So a PM would need to account for the company goals and the sorts of products, features, initiatives that will move the needle the most for where the company wants to head to. Um, For those that are aspiring product managers, you guys have probably seen the Venn diagram about uh, business tech and design. Um, That's true as well. Um, But I would say a PM uh, does work with a lot more stakeholders. So what I mean by that is uh, in the immediate squad in the day-to-day, it be designers, engineers, analysts, QA, for example, Um, outside the squad, it's the end-to-end spectrum. So legal, finance, go-to-market team. If there is one product marketing team, um, sales, customer support, customer success, and uh, operations and so on.
0: Awesome. And I I think what's interesting about your background is that you worked across B2B and B2C and SaaS and marketplace and mobile and web and like all these other sort of areas. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about like, I guess any interesting learnings you've had about the differences between perhaps being a B2B versus B2C and perhaps some of the other types of product management out there? Sure.
1: Um, So B2C is great because they're your end customer. So number one, it might be easy to get certain insights directly from your customer because they're your main customer base. Um, When you're thinking about the customer, it would then be, you know, interviewing them to understand what are their problem points and building directly for them. With B2B, um, there's an interesting layer there because you're not only just building for the business, you're building for them to make it easier for their customers. So that's why Shopify, for example, is quite successful in that they keep not only the business in mind, but they want to make sure the end customer experience is great. So you can probably you know, go onto any website and identify it as a Shopify website because it's so clean, it's minimalist, it's got the simplest checkout experience you can ever see. And it's, it's quite well known, right? Um, and because of that, because the company is thinking about the end user, the end customer experience that makes the businesses lives easier. So, um, it's thinking about two sets of customers in a sense. Um, and then marketplaces is also where it gets interesting because not only are you addressing the provider side, you're addressing the consumer side and you can get some insights from both that will ultimately help, um, better the marketplace because you can get, um, talking to consumers and providers. So for example of Health Engine, not only could we interview practice managers, GPs, specialists, we could interview the patient side, understand both sides and then improve the marketplace from a holistic point of view rather than just one side versus the other.
0: Which one's harder in your opinion?
1: In terms of a 2 cb B2B or marketplace? Correct. I think marketplace and B2B would be um, similar in the sense that I would still always have to think about the end customer. Um, the difficulty in b 2 b to c is when you don't get access to the end customer because, um, yeah, you don't get direct access to them. Um, it's not part of the contractual obligations that you have with the business who is your customer. So to reach um, and understand the end customer's point of view, uh, you probably need to use, you know, tools like Askable, um, online interview platforms in order to try and put together a persona of what your end customer is like, which is, you know, just a step away from what could be reality.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think those ones are really interesting. And sometimes like that added, like added layer of complexity makes it a little bit more difficult and you need to make sure you have the right people. Like for example... I was working on stuff that was like B2B to B. And then you have like weird dynamics where, like, you know, my my business customer would go with me to custom interviews for their business customer. And then you have to get information from the all like sort of parties, and it just becomes really interesting. Um, so I guess like I personally think those are a little bit more difficult than B2C, for example, like B2C, you could just look at your stats and then send surveys out and get information. It's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's also rewarding to to get those like interesting, complex problems with product managers. So yeah, yeah totally see totally where you're coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um cool. Let's let's dive into what a product manager actually does. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what your day-to-day looks like. Is there sort of a typical week for a product manager? Is it all over the place? Um you know, could you tell us like I guess step by step what are like the units of work that you do?
1: Okay. Uh so Uh, For the aspiring product managers out there, you guys would have probably heard a lot of other people say that no day is the same. Realistically, that's true. I'll have... My calendar is usually half hour to one hour blocks of different things, but I would want to zoom out um, and look from a quarter, um, a month, and then a week point of view. Because when you look at it in that way, the products or the projects can sometimes have a similar sort of cadence. Um, So the things you do when you zoom out can be similar. Um, so if I'm just looking on a day-to-day view, I'd have, you know, meetings uh, like a daily stand-up with my squad to check in their progress. I'd then have meetings with um, other PMs, um, product marketing, sales, CS to learn. I'd then check in with my manager. Um, and then in terms of the research, um, you know, writing tickets, gathering requirements, talking to a lot of stakeholders as well as uh, the consumers or providers who are your customers Um, and, of course, looking at things like qualitative data from platforms like Hotjar Um, as well as looking at the day-to-day or week-on-week analytics to uh, report into uh, management or um, just to make sure that your product is working the way that it's expected. Um, That's probably like a day-to-day or week-to-week view. If I'm talking about a quarter or specifically a product, it would be... um, A checklist type of process where at the start, you try to understand the problem space. So the activities you would then do with, say, the design lead and the tech lead would be um, what are the sorts of insights we're getting, what are the sorts of problems we're having, Um, getting any existing qualitative and quantitative research available. If there isn't something available, go ahead and find that. Um, Coordinate that with if you've got a user research team, that's great. If not, PMs we get out of the building, we do it ourselves, or, you know, um, in this day and age, we can find uh, interviewees via surveys or uh, tools like Askable. And then after that, um, problem discovery, then like solutionizing, and then coming up with uh, a list of initiatives you can do, and then prioritizing them based on effort, impact, and ultimately what can move the needle the quickest. There is very much in, uh, I guess, in my experience, um, the desire to build lean. um, Always think about what's the smallest unit I can build that will help me validate something. Um, Whether that be just phone calls to specialists, for example, you can validate things without even building yet. You can already validate something is going to work or is not going to work by just talking to people. Um, If not, what is the smallest unit we can build and test and launch it out there and test to see, um, yeah, if it's going to work or not. And if it does, if it looks like there is some promise, then go hone in on that, go ham on that and, uh, scale and optimize. Um, and then, oh, I mean, all the steps in between would be, you know, writing tickets, talking to engineers and designers, um, measuring it by sprints and then ultimately launching. So what are the materials that the website would need to have? So putting together like pricing lists, uh, marketing, uh, help center articles, um, emails, um, and then ultimately a launch deck to communicate to the rest of the business what this product is about so that they can then go ahead and talk to their sales teams or their customer success team. So then our end customers will get educated as well on what that product is about.
0: I was saying that was an awesome answer. And uh, I think one of the complexities around product management often is like, where does your job start and where does your job end? Um, And I guess, like, what is the circle of, like, what you control as a product manager? For example, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you you might do user stories and then, like, you know, who takes those user stories and builds it out? You know, is that an engineering manager? You know, when does the product person's job end and the engineering person's job start? Like, you know, where does it, um, you know, start in terms of, like, you know, does someone hand over to you? Is there, like, a product analyst that does research and sends it to you? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, could you explain, I guess, it's not always the same for every company and I understand that like based on geography Mm -hmm. based on industry it's always different but like Mm -hmm. um, what are you seeing or what have you generally worked in in terms of a team environment who are the players in that team and where do the jobs start in and
1: that is a great question and you are completely right it definitely depends on the uh, structure and I guess the culture and processes that the companies put in place and of course depending on uh, resources available. So I've been in situations where I've had to wear many hats. Uh, I would be making the marketing pamphlets of product launches and I'd be, um, creating them on sketch. Uh, it's a wireframing tool and, um, yeah, playing around with the colors and things all the way to, uh, focusing on just the problem discovery and solution phase. And then there would be teams that have, you know, all all the layers, including like analysts. So I wouldn't have to write SQL queries myself. Um, There's teams that have a QA person. So um, engineers won't have to do test-driven development themselves. Um, And each company has their own makeup. And I find that as a product manager, you need to be mindful of where the gaps are and in a way, yes, be responsible for filling in those gaps where possible. Um, So in uh, one squad that I've had, for example, I was doing writing user stories, requirements, uh, acceptance criteria um, in ticket form. Um, Whereas in another squad, all I'd need to do is write it in one confluence document and then the engineers will proactively take that and then write implementation tickets of their own. Um, In other situations, I've created wireframes myself whereas in other companies the designers already have a standard um, design library where they have uh, minimal wireframes and it's very self-explanatory to the engineers that are working in that team.
0: Awesome what does that mean for us like how do we navigate the space because that sounds weird and insane and like every geography is very different and the skill sets seem very varied and you know, as a product manager, can I expect to be asked to do wireframes? Can I expect to be asked to do implementation tickets? Like, uh, I guess like, how do we navigate that space in terms of looking for the right job, or um, yeah, setting expectations, and and like, oh, I guess even what companies to look for. Should we be talking to companies and seeing exactly what their needs are before jumping in? Like, yeah, what's your advice on that front?
1: Um, I really appreciate that question because. From what I've found, you can't really know everything about the company just by what it markets online. The job descriptions are sometimes cookie cutter. They're very ambitious. They expect a PM to have had a lot of different breadth and uh, depths of experience. Um, but then when it comes to the interview stage, you realize, oh, it might be a different set of uh, requirements that they want, but then they're not listing everything um, you know, on the job description that is going to be required for your job. So, um, you probably see, you know, uh, keywords like fast paced, fast paced environment. That probably means, um, the companies just really needing everyone to be very proactive and just jump in wherever possible. And it also might mean that you won't get a really good onboarding experience. You'll be jumping into the deep end. You'll be expected to sort of learn in your own time and bring that, bring that value to the business and yeah. There might not be much training on the job, but that's probably um, a good learning experience in itself. Um, I've found that talking to friends or reaching out on LinkedIn and well, talking to friends or people that you've um, built and sort of acquaintances with and learn um, more about their role. I have found that you can find out about the company's culture and the way of working that way. Also that being said, each team is probably quite different in its setup. So if the company doesn't have streamlined process across the board, then uh, that's a different matter. Um, I've found LinkedIn to be not too effective. So I've reached out to some people in the past when I was an aspiring PM and I wanted to ask them for opinions. Some people are really keen and they will like, you know, sit down, have a coffee, call you for like an hour, half an hour and give you the advice. Um, But then for the most part, say 80% won't reply, but it's the, I guess it's the 20% that you can get um, a lot of value out of. Um, and so I would encourage people to reach out on, um, you know, the product management, Facebook groups, LinkedIn, um, but most importantly, think about how you can bring value to that person that you're asking about. Make sure you're checking in with them quite regularly every few months or so reach out and bring value to them. Cause it's not a one-way street. Like it's not like they're just going to give you advice um, and, you know, You can't expect you can't expect that from uh, everyone. Um, So people are giving you um, their time of day, and it's very valuable advice. So yeah, you should you should be appreciative of that, and make sure you check in with these people.
0: Yeah, and I think when you say two way street, it's it's less about trying to provide value upfront or like give them the same value they're giving you. It's more about I guess closing the loop, showing appreciation, circling back, saying hey, you know that introduction you made for me. It's resulted in this. Thank you so much. Um, Even small things like that can be a way to, I guess, um, you know, make it a two way street in a sense. And of course, at some point you're going to be able to give back, but like, you know, you shouldn't have that. Like a lot of students, for example, feel the pressure that they have to like give something back, but it's really hard for them to give back to someone who's like, you know, 15 years, their senior, like has Mm -hmm. worked in the industry for a while. So it's small things like that that can really help. Yeah, uh, in my opinion. I completely
1: agree. You're right about closing the loop there. So I've, yeah. I've had a few mentors in my experience and for them to hear me say, Oh, the tip that you gave me, I've used it and I've improved. Um, that's, that's what they're set out to, to want to hear. Um, mm. and it, it validates for them as well, that their advice is valuable, scalable and applicable to other people who are also experiencing similar situations. Um, so I, I completely agree with you there.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm going to stop, uh, giving you unscripted questions and throwing you in the deep end and we'll go back to what we wanted to talk about. So, um, I find I be-
1: drift out on a tangent so easily Yeah, because <laughs> I, I can talk for hours about product management.
0: <laughs> well, that's the point, right? I, you know, I want to ask more curveballs and get real answers out of you. So this is good. Um, but what, what are the best parts of the job and what are the worst parts of the job?
1: Um, So I'll start by talking about my product management experience and then I'll talk about my consulting experience for a bit. Um, So as a product manager um, that's uh, grounded within the product squads day-to-day, what I'd say is I um, one interesting thing about working in product and being a PM is you really have to go out there and learn from your users because it's funny sometimes to see the unintended usage of the product so um i don't know if um I, i've read a few articles before where they talk about this concept of um you know as a product manager you've got to really know your product you got to test it and you kind of well in my experience you see two types of pms you see ones that don't play enough with the product and number two ones that know like every single feature of the product, but they're using it from a PM's point of view. So they're using it the way that they built it, the way that it's intended. But the end users can sometimes use features that you wouldn't think that's how it would be used. So sometimes you'd see some funny instances or you realize, oh, hey, I am, for example, I'm, I'm this feature that I've built is intended for uh, value X but they're using it such that it's decreasing the friction, um, for them to get to a certain, um, goal that they want, but it's not aligned with how we want them to use it. And therefore we don't make money, for example. Um, so catching those insights is really cool. And so as a PM, um, we would need to be cognizant of that. Um, I'd say another thing is uh, back in my days at Health Engine, I'd actually be working fully remotely. So I'm based in Sydney and my whole team except me is based in Perth. So um, whenever I got the chance to go visit my team, um, it would often be during the times when we launch a product. Um, And to thank the team, I'd buy them donuts. So there's been an ongoing in-joke that I'm the person that comes with donuts (laughs) and I love that because I know that as a PM, even though I'm based remotely, I do, I I have the enthusiasm. I have the energy that I ooze through video calls and phone calls. And ultimately when I'm there, I show them my appreciation and I bring the team together by celebrating our achievements. So I think um, that is, that can be part of a role of a PM. For me, I find joy by just celebrating with people um, and people that I'm uh, fortunate enough to call my friends. And I think that's really um, a cool part of being a PM in that you, yes, you might not be directly responsible for building and releasing the products because that's, you know, the the UI and UX is from the designer and the actual building, the actual product is from uh, the developers, but you still feel part of the action because um, you're working, you're collaborating with, a great set of intelligent and keen and proactive people in order to launch something that ultimately brings value to the customer as well as to the company. So uh, yeah, that's what I love about um, being a PM. I'd say on the next level, so I've recently become a product management consultant. uh, I really like the intensity because uh, what I've found is um, in consulting, you can when you move uh, from contract to contract, so from client to client, the different industries and the different ways of working, you can bring the good stuff, you can bring the insights that you've learned from one experience and uh, transfer it to the next experience. So you're always going to have some golden nuggets that you can transfer um, to the next job that you're on. And with throughout that experience, you can learn things for yourself uh, because what I've found... Um, in my years of uh, being in product management, no company runs their way of uh, uh, culture of product the same. And so to learn how different models work and where they don't work, which is also the interesting part, um, is what you can bring forward to other experiences. And it's it's valuable to them and it's valuable to me to see.
0: Awesome. What about the the tough question, which is like, what are the not so great parts of it? product
1: management job? Um so when I when I um got into PM, I really wanted to be part of uh the problem solving. I wanted to be part of the action. And I found that stakeholder management and um gathering the, ne- um, the necessary requirements to move the product along comes with meeting fatigue. So, uh, in this day and age where all the meetings are on zoom, uh, I've had days where it's, you know, back-to-back meetings, which I would then batch on one day so that I don't get too much zoom fatigue on other days. Um, but yeah, just, uh, back-to-back meetings, um, and not getting the time to sort of process it during, or well, like right after, because you've got to jump into the next one. Um, it can be exhausting. Um, I do find though, that, when I reach the end of the day, I'm like, yes, I made it. (laughs) You know, I feel I've, I've like, I've, you know, I've, I've passed the day. I've nailed the day. I've gotten through it. Okay. So that, that day's done next day, hopefully, you know, not too many more meetings. Um, so that that's one part that sucks. Um, another part that sucks is in terms of the way that, uh, different companies run their product organization, their product culture. Um, a lot of it I've found does come from top down. And so there are companies that are more project management driven. So um, the project decisions aren't necessarily owned by the PMs. Um, they could be owned by more senior staff, they could be owned by executive leaders. Um, and that's cool because that's how that company works. Um, but it can cause friction when new initiatives. Um, are wanting to be introduced by the PMs or the PMs want to sort of get together and create a rhythm of, uh, yeah, we want to be able to um, bring in the discoveries that we've made and make product decisions that we know uh, will move the needle. Um, Another thing that sucks is, I guess, due to related to the meeting fatigue point is the balancing act between being available to unblock your team versus deep work time. So uh, you guys probably heard the concept of deep work time, you know, chunking your time into two or more hours to just get get stuff done. Um, and sometimes, well, a lot of the time as a PM, you might not get that liberty. Um, and in some senses, you feel like you do need to unblock your team. So you do need to be available. And so Slack, there's there's Slack fatigue as well. So Slack is the communications tool that um, I've used at a lot of companies. It's the messaging tool. And sometimes that can get um, quite tiring because I know that I need to consistently be there for my team. Um, But yeah, it's a a work in progress, but I think um, there is value as a PM to still chunking 1 hour half hour blocks i think for me the hack that i found is instead of blocking a 3 hour focus time in my calendar and my calendar is public for the rest of the team if i just chunk that into half hour or 1 hour blocks it seems like it's not focus time it seems like i'm in a meeting where um but it's actually me in a meeting with myself trying to do my own work so that has helped <laughs> that has helped people not book over the time slots that i want to get my own focus time um so yeah. I'd recommend that as a, as a, as a trick.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's in a, quite a few roles. I personally have just introduced a no meetings on Thursday policy for myself, just because like, it just gets too much if they don't have time to really do it. And then sometimes it's just the context switching, right? Especially um, if you're working with people in the office and people are tapping on the shoulder to do things, it's just like, you can't get the time to really focus. Um, exactly. so no, I, I totally feel that and product management, especially because you just, your main job is like the voice of the users and you're talking to people all the time and you're just managing all the stakeholders. So, um, mm-hmm. makes sense. What are the, um, what do you say are the top three traits of a product manager? Like, you know, um, sorry, what kind of traits do a product manager, what should a product manager have as traits? Um, so for example, like attention to detail. Um, being good at communication, like you know, I'm just throwing out examples. But what would be your three that you would say?
1: Um, great question. Uh, I think the first is the desire to learn and the the curiosity aspect. Um, I think this also applies to just life in general. So outside of being a PM. Um, I know that students at a young age or like are still in uni and are at their last year um, or even even way before their last year are trying to learn things and building their side projects um, and like trying to get their uh, CV resume to a point where it does feel like they've gotten a lot of that experience and they know that that's important to uh, prospective employers. I would say that uh, yes, the desire to learn is something that, Um, is great as a trait to have because as a PM, you're not going to get it right all the time. You're constantly learning from your peers. But ultimately, um, if there isn't much of a culture of um, uh, learning within the product cohort or within the organization, you're going to want to or have to uh, learn from your own time, whether that be reading articles, uh, creating podcasts, uh, you can learn from other people um, and build a network by doing that, um, and yes, investing your own time to learn new things to uh, then teach it back to the people within your company because then they'll see something as new. Because oftentimes, what I've found is um, you there is a lot of knowledge sharing that happens between PMs in a company, um, but depending on the size of that company, that can um, that can uh, be exhausted really quickly, and then you kind of get into a rhythm of working where you're not bringing in new knowledge. So it's always nice to have fresh knowledge. Um, and then I'd say, and that is actually quite applicable as a consultant as well, because, um, in a PM consulting role, I would say you don't have the safety net that you would have if you're an employee of that company. So you're expected to come in and fix everything, (laughs) um, solve everything for them. Um, so the way that I'm approaching it is I will, uh, put out high quality work for my own squad, but also try and find opportunities that I can improve the product processes, um, uh, product initiatives, um, and ways of working around that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so point number one is desire to learn and curiosity. Uh, the second is empathy. And I think that's uh part of communication as well. Um, being a remote PM for two years um, has really taught me that it's not about what you say over Zoom, but it's also listening to the team. And a lot of the times the team will reach out to me as opposed to, uh, in addition to reaching out to the their immediate squad, of course, but um, they would be happy to call me up to talk to me about anything outside of work stuff even. Um And to have that um, connection with your team is important because you're not just there to work with your team to deliver stuff for the company. You're there to enjoy the company of your team so that it actually makes it a lot funner, more fun to um, deliver for the company and you're all hyped up about it. Third one I think is attention to feedback loops. So uh, by that, I mean, as a PM we can try to productize ourselves. We can try to get better every day, every week. So what I aim to do at the end of every day, at the end of every week is um, I track how I'm feeling. Um, I track uh, what I did well that day and that week. What can I improve? What are some initiatives I can then um, optimize for uh, the client company the next week? Um, And yeah, what should I stop doing? Uh, Essentially like a retrospective, of my performance and what I've wanted to do. Um, so, for example, if I found a week that I've got basically nothing done because it's back to back meetings, um, what can I do um, the next time round? Whether that be, you know, uh, cut off Slack until 2 p.m., for example, as a, a thing I should experiment um, and then uh, track that. And I think that then helps people. Become better PMs, uh, better squad members, as well as um yeah, uh learning to th- this is a great life skill as well. Um so being able to reflect and review and then track to see and experiment with things next time. Um, so that you're not really in a strict, stringent routine, because that can go off side, well, that can go sideways. That's the right word. That can go sideways pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit about like, I guess, being almost like adhering to the truth and the data and like taking the feedback on it without your ego, or, like any of your preconceived notions getting in the way, right? Like yeah. um, as a product manager, you can't be like, I think this is the way because I feel this way. It has to be, you know, I've looked at it and I've talked to all these people and like, mm-hmm. this is the objective reason as to why we should do this, right? So totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, Final question for you is: uh, How can someone get started with product management? Like, how can they get into the industry? Any advice you have? Is there a degree that you have to do, or is it just do whatever? Like, what does that look like?
1: Um, I would say there is definitely no one way to get into product management. Uh, similarly, there is no one way to get into consulting, get into a bank. Um, I think if people want to get into PM, um, it's definitely different to you know you have to have a um, a medicine degree for example to get into med that's a big prereq prerequisite um, but with PM it's a breadth of experiences that can make you a good problem solver so I've seen people who are software engineer backgrounds who get into PM because they want to get to know more of the end customer that they're building for um, I've seen analysts get into product because they see the quant and qual data and they want to map that together and put meaning behind it. I've seen designers get into PM or yeah, people that study design and get into PM because they are mindful of the end user, who they're building for. Similarly, psychology students can be PMs. I actually had a background in commerce and pharmacology. Um, so pharmacology is the study of, um, building medicine, (laughs) making medicine. And, um, I found that the process is similar to what a PM would do. So a pharmacologist would study the problem site. They'd, yeah, they'd understand and dig deeper into the problem. Then they'd work, um, they'd build a model as a solution and then they'd send it off to the chemist to actually put that together, put that new medicine together. Um, and so it's similar to a, um, product manager where I'm deep in the problem discovery and then solution MVP land. And then I work with engineers and designers to ship that off. Um, so I found there's a similarity there. Um, what got me into PM was actually, um, I had more of a digital marketing background. I was, um, more interested in doing that, um, during, uh, like a side hustles during my uni days. And, um, I, I was working on an app development startup with a few of my friends. And I've always wanted to work in a startup industry because the feedback loop and the learning loop is a lot quicker than in the pharmacology world. Um, And I was uh, pretty active in the Sydney Startups Facebook group back then. And um, one of my mentors, who's now one of my friends, uh, Benjamin Wirtz, he um, posted in the group about um, who would like to do digital marketing for me in exchange for uh, product management mentoring. And I've heard about this concept of product management uh, because I was during uni um, back then. And I was very intrigued because I thought that this would be the door into the startup world for me and to ultimately learn to be a better problem solver. And um, that went well. And uh, it helped me land my first... PM role outside of uni. So I was doing PM as part of my app development startup and working um, for my mentor as well. Um, And then yeah, my, my first, uh, my first role at cancer aid uh, was really cool uh, as a first straight out of uni PM job. So I would say there's no one path to get into PM, but what you can do is of course, side projects, uh, find other people who would be keen to build projects with you. It can be with yourself. It can be with your friends. Um, it is ultimately at the end of the day about building something, learning from your users, uh, gathering that, and then um, offering more value. So for example, if you build your own e-commerce store, that's going to teach you some skills to be a project a product manager because um, you're going to learn what your users like and don't like. Instead of um, already, for example, uh, bulk buying uh, products and storing them at your house, you can just put a pre-order um symbol in front of some products just to validate if they want it or not. And then after that, you can then, um, you've assessed that, yes, they want it. So then then you can bulk buy or then you can drop ship or whatever method of e-commerce that you're trying right now. So there's many ways to uh, prove out and learn some of the PM skills um, that, yeah, that can get you into PM uh, straight out of uni.
0: Awesome. That's really good advice. I like that. I like the e-commerce strategy too. That's sort of how I got into like marketing and PM work and sort of just trying stuff. And I think that the goal here, I think it's really hard to make money on e-commerce drop shipping and stuff, but if you can break even as like a little test experience, it's, I think it's really good. Um, so you can do a couple of stores that way. Um, see what the niches are, you know, what, who, who's actually buying it and why are they buying it? And uh, I think those are really interesting insights. Any final thoughts before we wrap up the podcast?
1: Um, So for all the uh, for all of you listening to this podcast, um, I hope that uh, you did get some advice out of it. I do wish you luck on your journey to becoming a PM um, and don't Um, What I would say is um, if you don't get in the first few times, that's okay because it's a learning experience to um, within the interview stages itself, you do learn a lot about the company culture. So that's always good to have at the back of your mind. When you do the next interview, you'll get better through all the sets of interviews, you know, the CVs and resumes that you do. Um, And yeah, just, I think just keep at it. Um, Keep building your side projects, keep reading, um, keep experimenting and, um you will definitely land your pm job
0: awesome thanks so much for your time tina
1: no worries thanks so much aj